if you go to university and get your four-year degree in finance, there is only one dream that you have when you come out. And that is to put your lips around the delicious fruits of what it means to be an investment banking analyst. Now, if you're familiar with finance, then you're familiar with the term investment banking. But for those of you not familiar with this term, investment banking is basically the rock stars of the finance industry. They're the superstars, the Michael Jacksons of the financial industry. These guys are untouchable. I'm talking about $10,000 money suits. I'm talking about your hair always cut looking trim. Your shoes always shined. You are a dime plus 99. You are the most elusive, luxurious position and the most prestigious position of a finance professional, which is the reason why when you go into university and you enter a finance um, a finance program, your dream is to become investment banking. I mean, they let you know from the jump that only the smartest, brightest, most well-educated, most perfectly polished students will ever even get a chance to taste what it means to be an investment banker. And what draws people to this line of work, you might ask? Cha-ching! You guessed it. It's the shmoney. I mean, when you look at what kind of jobs you can get for just having a four-year degree, you know, before we had this big rush of programmers who went to Google and absolutely dominated with their 150-plus thousand uh, degree salaries, Investment banking was truly the only place you could go where, as a four-year degree in a finance student, you could come out of school and land yourself a $150,000 paying job with an eighty dollars to $120,000 bonus just for getting that position or that role. And because of this, Literally students, I'm talking not even just students, I'm talking about the smartest of students, the most academically gifted of students, the most naturally just God-given talent of students would do anything in the finance industry to get an investment banking role. Now, you may be asking, what does the investment maker do? Why they get paid so much money coming out of university? Well, think of investment bankers as the absolute top line level financial experts for the most complicated financial transactions in our economy. When company A, Amazon, wants to acquire company B, big tech firm, who do they get to help them with this complicated transaction? That's right. You guessed it. They get an investment banker. They investment bankers help facilitate MA transactions. They help be third party, like independent auditors sometimes of these financial transactions. They help go through all of that luxurious paperwork. And sometimes they'll even pitch different firms and tell them, hey, you should acquire this company because it would help create that synergistic profit for your company. They're truly doing God's work right on earth. And for this taste of working at the highest level of our economies, students come in droves to apply to these positions. And me being that young, naive finance student, I was no different. 
You see, I saw investment banking as the pinnacle of status. And if I got this position, then like many people, I just felt like, wow, the level of respect I would get from my peers, the level of admiration, the level of just, I don't even know how to put it to words, the the level of honestly clout. I think clout's one of the best words you could think of. But it's just one of those things that's so self-fulfilling, so so gratifying that you want to get this thing because you want to let your you want everyone else and yourself to know that you are too good enough to be an investment banker. And like so many careers and other jobs where there's an oversupply of workers for the demand of that position. Workers get absolutely abused. (laughs) One of the things I remember about being in university is that you are so busy sometimes for long stretches of times where you can't even really think about what you're doing, where you're going, what you're trying to accomplish. You can't really internalize information. You're just always on to the next exam. You're always on to the next studying period. You're always on to working that next internship. Like you're always so goal focused. And I remember in my, you know, third and fourth years, as I'm preparing to make my resume as attractive as possible, um, I had to read up a lot on becoming an investment maker and what they actually did so I could translate the skills I'm learning to those actual skills and say, I am job ready And investment banking is one of those weird things where it's like the more and more and more I learned about investment banking, the more I started to realize I'm like, why would anyone actually go ahead and do this position? It was one of those catch 22s. So there's this thing called wage theft in our economy where workers will basically they'll. They'll be in these positions where their company will find ways to steal their wage and get them to do more work without them getting paid for. You know, from the classics in our economy, from like accounting people, they'll be working all the way till midnight on multiple days during auditing period. And that's just on them. They're not paid for it, even though even though their bosses know they're expected to work an extra four hours every day, they're not paid for it. You know, this happens in, you know, low level work where after someone signs out, you know, after someone punches the clock out, their boss will still ask them to do stuff. You know, there's, there's times when, you know, you're asked to come in on weekends or take projects home because, you know, even though you're not getting paid for it, but you're supposed to do this during salary type jobs, there is a bunch of ways that they have these things built in to the position where they're able to charge you more and get you to do more. And I think one of the most predatory things that I found in investment banking or a lot of these high paying jobs is that the way they're able to hold the bonus over your head to make you be the most diligent worker and don't ask questions type worker that you can possibly be. You see, 
your bosses obviously write your bonus and in investment banking similar to like being a lawyer or a lot of these jobs a lot of times up to even 50% of your pay can be literally through getting paid bonus and a lot of times the way that these pays work is they have like a buy-in period where you'll have to work for either one year or two years to even access this sort of committed capital that is your bonus. So because of that, if all of your workmates are staying an extra four hours a day after work to work on their assignments at work, at their projects they have to do at work, and if you're that person that's not doing that, then I got news for you. You're getting the lowest bonus out of everyone else and everyone else is getting all the big bonuses because they showed what's called in a lot of these positions as FaceTime. So it creates all a bunch of weird behaviors where people are literally at work, not doing anything just to show their face at work that they're that they're they're working. So a lot of times you're working like 80 to 100 hours a week. That's your weekends gone. That's like over 10 to 12 hours a day, (laughs) seven days a week sometimes, especially during like a heavy deal flow, which is when, you know, your your firm that you work for is getting a lot of different business at the same time and you can't compete. It's it's an interesting, really interesting period. And. I think one of the biggest things and one of the biggest turnoffs that I found when looking into investment banking was how much they owned even your free time. You see, constantly, no matter if you were free, you'd have, you know, they'd have your personal cell phone number or they'd give you a cell phone and you were on call at all times. So there'd be so many stories I read where someone would go home for the holidays and then, you know, the firm would hit them up and say, hey, we need you to help out with this deck. This client has requested X. We need you to play, prepare this PowerPoint of this analyst, um, this information to them. And you would have to do it. Sometimes they'd ask you to do like a seven hour request, literally as you're getting ready to leave the office. And the amount of do that, that t- sort of time uncertainty being an investment banker, made it like one of the craziest positions to accept. And I was always starting to think to myself, I'm like, hmm, as I was looking more into investment banking, I was seeing how literally the most talented talent from all around the country is getting into these positions. And once you started to allocate the time, at first it looked like you were getting paid from 50 to 70 dollars per hour for the amount of time you worked. But then I realized looking into it, you're really getting paid around like 18 to $27 per hour with all the extra overtime you're working. And I'm like, at that point, you can just do like an average job and just work a lot of hours and end up making as much as some of these investment banker types. So I started to really ask myself in a position like investment making that has like a 90% turnover rate where 90% of the people who start working quit the job within the first two years. If you were one of these people who are talented enough to be an investment banker, why would you ever be an investment banker? 
This is the trillion dollar question. If you were talented enough to be an investment banker, why would you ever be an investment banker? Because we live in a society where, yes, you get status from this great job. However, if we start to think as entrepreneurs or start to think as investors or business people, then we would absolutely look at all the opportunities around us. And I'm seeing this trend of finance professionals creating very, not even super professional, but just kind of giving you like an online, almost online style presentation or deep in-depth stock analysis on YouTube. And these YouTube channels are generating hundreds of thousands of dollars. One of my favorite YouTube channels to watch right now, Graham Stephan, he's extremely transparent with his YouTube channel. And literally he has just under 2 million subscribers on YouTube as of this date, and he's generating over $100,000, wait for it, a month. Yes, that means he's generating over $7 million on his YouTube channel per year. And he's been doing this for less than three or four years. And guess what? He's not even a finance person, and he's creating these finance channel. So I'm getting to this point where I'm starting to ask myself, it's like, if you're willing to work so hard for somebody else, why not work that hard for yourself and have that freedom to actually do exactly what you want and when you want to do it? I think in life, investment banking and these big prestigious labels that we can get in our economy is the biggest example of sometimes we care a lot about what other people think. And if you're one of the people like myself who really wanted to get into one of these careers, but <clears throat> I wasn't smart enough, I'm going to put it out there. Um, if you really wanted to get to one of these careers, um, always have an exit plan going in. Always have a very detailed exit plan of why you want to do this and why you want to literally sacrifice a year to two years of your life working on something like like it, why you don't want to go to birthday parties, why you don't want to keep in contact with friends, why you don't want to call your mom or be around your mom or family that year, why do you, you don't want to go on vacation for the next two years, why you don't want to have a girlfriend. I don't know if I said that to anyone. Um but really ask yourself, you know, why you want to sacrifice all those things for two years? What are you doing it for? And how are you exiting out? Because that is the only way to truly justify why being in a position like that is worth it. Some people are just extremely fascinated about, you know, the top levels of capital in our economy and the top levels of these financial transactions in our economy. And if that's you, you got to go out there and get it, you know, amen to those people, but don't ever be one of these people who does things just so society will say that they're dope. And as always, the best, most brightest investors are the uneducated ones. That's because the uneducated investors, they never stop learning. If you learned anything from this episode, I want to say YouTubers are making more than investment bankers now. And sometimes 
you know, when you really start looking in the data, I honestly see in like 50, 60 years, I know that's a long timetable, so, you know, it's kind of out for me, but I realistically see in about 50 to 60 years, the position of investment banker isn't going to be this crazy, like kind of wage theft, predatory position for, you know, workers. It's going to be a bit different because I think when it comes to the top talent pool, they'll realize how much their actual talent is worth and they'll start working these, these, they'll start working with that type of work ethic for themselves rather than do it for a big company. And I think us as investors and entrepreneurs, as we go through our working lives, as we travel through our careers, we should really work on ourselves and build our, you know, side projects and side hustles so that we too can put that insane ambition and work ethic to ourselves. That way we don't have to only put that towards our career. Kind of conjumbled at the end. But rant over. Anyways, flight to me. <laughs> flight to me. <laughs> Anyways, flight crew. We gotta take off, baby. If you like this, make sure to give it a five star review and share it on Twitter. Bye.